Hello, welcome to the D&D Roundtable presented by The Tome Show. I'm your host, James Intracasso. If you're a first-time listener, welcome to the show. If you've been here before, do me a favor. Go give us a great rating on iTunes. It helps us out a bunch. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then shop as you normally would. We'd also like to thank our sponsor for this podcast, noblenight.com, where Out of Print is available again. They have D&D and other tabletop RPGs. Any edition, any product. With Noble Knight, you can even sell your old gaming products you aren't using anymore. Let's hear a quick word from them. Noble Knight is an online game store. D&D, they got that and more. And if you think out-of-print games are nice, shop Noble Knight, cause they got the best price. And if you got gaming products to sell, then Noble Knight will buy them as well. So go to the place where gaming's the bomb, and head over to NobleKnight.com. And don't forget to tell them the Tone Show sent ya! Today, we're talking to five of the six Adventurers League admins about Rage of Demons and upcoming plans for D&D organized play. This is a super special podcast. Let's meet the panel and kick things off with our get-to-know-you question. Who is your favorite demon lord? Robert Ducci, community manager for the Adventurers League. Who is your favorite demon lord? So, in in uh, in the past, I really have never played uh, too many campaigns with them, so... I really didn't have a favorite uh, prior to the Out of the Abyss coming, stuff coming out. But when, once I saw the picture for Baphomet, uh, I just love that picture. So I'm going to have to go with Baphomet right now. Oh, that's a good choice. He's a badass. He's a real badass, that Baphomet. Uh, and, of course, with us is Bill Benham, Research Manager. Bill, who is your favorite Demon Lord? You know, my favorite Demon Lord uh, would have to be Orcus because, uh, A... Undead are cool, so undead and demons together, it's like peanut butter and chocolate. And plus, my favorite adventure was uh, Throne of Bloodstone from way back in 2nd uh, edition, and it features Orcus prominently, so I like him. He- yeah, yeah, he's my favorite demon lord, too. That is a deep cut, too. I right appreciate on. that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Travis Woodall, content manager. Travis, who's your favorite demon lord? I'm going to go with Jubilex. Nice. Um, yeah, Jubilex, um, kind of an ooze, doesn't usually get much props, so good <laughs> on him for, uh, you know, breaking through that, that glass ceiling and ooze not much, up. Much like Travis, he enjoys a good sit. Yes, <laughs> sit, can't, can't go wrong with a good sit. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and Travis, you're, this picture of you on Skype, you and a Snuggie. Actually, I am in a snuggie. Yeah, you look kind of ooze-like in that picture. See, that's <laughs> I got to represent. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Greg Marks, Associate Resource Manager. Greg, who is your favorite demon lord? Uh, I'm going to go Grozit. Because uh, here's a guy who looks, for all intents and purposes, just to sort of be a party guy, right? He just wants to relax, have some fun, pick up some chicks or guys or whatever's available. And then <laughs> what he's really doing, though, is he's trying to effectively trick you, right? He's like a, uh, he's one of the devils who doesn't like the rules, right? He's the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. So he's going to let you basically damn yourself 
and then take all the advantage for it. He's the sneaky one of the bunch. Yeah, yeah, he's the mastermind, right? Uh, yeah. He's, he's going for it. That's awesome. Good pick, good pick. Alan Patrick, Associate Community Manager. Alan, who's your favorite demon lord? It, man, it's really a toss-up. Uh, Jubilex is is high in the running. Travis, you, you hit it on the head there. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it really comes down to what minis I have available. So if I've got pudding around, you know, made some jello today, maybe it'll be Jubilex. But uh, lately it's been Orcus because of that beautiful figure that was released a couple years back. Right, right. Yeah, you don't want to use it for just one game because he costs a lot of money. So you want to make sure you're you're getting him in there for some other stuff too. Well, true. And the players get a little upset if I splash pudding all over the table. So Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we talk a little bit about Rage of Demons? Out of the Abyss is out now um, in local friendly game stores. And by the time this podcast drops, it'll be available wherever D&D adventures are sold. Uh, it seems like a tough adventure for first-time players and DMs. Uh, and so how are you guys handling this in Dungeons & Dragons encounters? A lot of it's going to fall on the, on the, on the, on the DM. Um, one thing that the last published, like the last few published adventures with um, Horde of the Dragon Queen and Princes of the Apocalypse, one of the things that those have done really well with is presenting kind of an open sandbox kind of environment for the DM, DM to, uh, to run around in. And I think that's one of the things that's, you know, that Out of the Abyss is going gonna, is gonna to keep, keep doing really well. Nice. And I'd I'd say if it's a, if it's a first time DM, the most important thing with Out of the Abyss to do is sit down and and make sure you understand what the overall kind of arc is of the narrative, because that'll help you kind of make sense of how open ended it is, so you can give your players a a fun experience. Because it really is a great uh, it's a great adventure. I I'm thoroughly enjoying running it myself. Yeah, yeah, I think it was by far uh, my favorite published. You know, I've loved them all so far. So uh, this was great to to see. Um, and I think, it, is it fair to say that there's an assumption that now that 5th edition has been out for more than a year, that a lot of the DMs who are running organized play games are not first-time DMs? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, that I don't think we automatically assume. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're seeing a lot of legacy DMs, but we're also seeing some people that are venturing into that arena as the as, as fifth edition is so focused on telling a great story. Uh, it's it's less about knowing the glossary of mechanics, and that's that's enabled a lot of people out in my area, uh, in my own experience, to to kind of peer behind the screen and and see what they can do as well. It's been really cool. Yeah, yeah, it is great, and it's nice that. Encounters is not as, say, structured as it was in 4th edition. Um, it gives mm. DMs leeway to tell that story a little bit. Well, let's talk about expeditions and ethics. So what do you guys have coming up? What do you think is most exciting? What are people loving at conventions and in game stores when they play? So this year we've got, um, you know, there's three tiers of play with the uh, expeditions. And so kind of each uh, each tier has its own kind of storyline uh, with uh, with Hillsfar and uh, the surrounding region and the Underdark uh, for for the Rage of Demons season. So I think that's really cool that kind of, you know, each tier kind of gets to do its own thing and uh, gets to be, you know, heroes in their own way. So uh, I, I like that aspect of it. Yeah, Hillsfar, right, is a uh, famously, or I should say infamously racist 
area of the xenophobic. Ones. Yes, yeah, xenophobic. <laughs> xenophobic. Yes, xenophobic. Yes, xenophobic. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so right there, there, there are humans. Only humans, really, is is what's going on there. Um, so, how do PCs who are not human uh, get involved in the events in uh, Hillsfar? Um, well, a lot of the of the adventures, instead of using this like before, where we had like the city itself as the hub. For, for all of these adventures with Mole Master and Flan. Um, now we're kind of using Hillsfar as kind of another adventuring site um, and instead using um, Elven Tree. Elven Tree is our kind of our main hub um, of faction activity and adventures um, and then going out from there. Mm-hmm. So if you go to Hillsfar, usually it's, you know, you've been sent there to do something specific. Yeah, yeah, and I know I played in the low level track uh, for the D and D epic at Gen Con, and mm-hmm. you were snuck inside the city, which was pretty yeah. cool. Uh, let's talk a little bit about high level play, right? This is the first time we're going beyond level ten in the Adventurers League. Um, what sort of exciting things can people expect if they have high level characters in the Adventurers League? Uh, well, I, I would say that they're going to get to revisit both some of their old favorite NPCs, so some of the people that have been around a long time are, are coming back. You're going to get the opportunity to, to, both this season and next, take care of some particularly large problems. Uh, in particular, I'm currently almost finished writing the 3-16, which is the finale, mm-hmm. and those high-level characters are going to get to uh, deal with the Demon Lord that's currently plaguing our area. So you're going to, just like in the published adventure where you get a chance to deal with a number of the Demon Lords, you'll note one of them is suspiciously missing. In fact, the uh, sidebar even says, in your game, if there's one that could manage to not successfully get sucked in by the the epic finale, it would be this guy. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason that it's that guy. <laughs> that's very exciting and that's a good tease for people who are playing in this what do you think are some of the challenges when designing and writing these higher level adventures for the adventurers league keeping them challenging mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> the challenge is the challenge because mm-hmm. um, you know when you have four three seasons of you know low level relatively low level play and then finally you got to start getting you know, characters who are able to cast like fifth and sixth and seventh level spells. Keeping the encounters challenging can be can be tricky. And giving uh, giving DMs the tools that they need within the adventure to still you know kind of keep it moving and keep it fun. When at higher levels, you get a lot of, uh, especially wizards, get a lot of kind of I don't want to say game breaking, but if you're not uh, if you don't have the adventure set tight um, in terms of giving the DM kind of a uh, awareness of his surroundings or her surroundings, then it can kind of go off the rails pretty fast. So, Yeah, I think there's, you know, at first level, it's easy to tell, okay, I think this adventure will take so long, right, when you're, when you're sitting down to play. But I do think it's a lot harder at higher levels because some things can be blown through, and then other combats are just a slog that take hours and hours. Yeah. So for organized play, that must be a big challenge, too, is managing the time that goes into an adventure. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of management on the design side as much as on the, the play side where we want to make sure that the options we're presenting to DMs are compelling 
uh, without, as, as Bill was saying, you know, having, you know, potentially game breaking things or, you know, unfortunately, you know, having a DM tell a player no, which is something we don't really want to do. You know, you don't want to have that instant kill. You don't want to have you know, encounters cut short. Uh, you know, that's all part of the greater experience. You know, I uh, I loved at Gen Con playing through the epics, you know, and, and then standing around at the end to get the results from you guys about uh, what had happened and what had this particular group of, you know, 700 people achieved. Um, how are those results, you know, essentially you guys go to all these cons and, and watch the epics get run and run them yourselves and get all the information and feedback from those how are those results compiled and then how do they affect the forgotten realms um you know the, the canon and the lore of that world well in the case of the epics generally we you know we collect most of the pertinent information right there um you know as you saw with um blood above and blood below the season three epic um you know without giving out spoilers for folks who might run it in the future um there were immediate you know results that that affected the play of the game itself but you know at the end we were able to kind of get an idea of what happened with that we were able to kind of give some of the um latter uh, adventures a little bit of uh, additional direction and where they were going and where they were going to be. Yeah, at Gen Con, it was our last running, uh, last official running of the season two epic that Gen Con represented the end of season two for us, the beginning of season three. Uh, so we, as Travis said, we generated or cataloged a lot of those results that came in. And after the convention, I looked at the previous results from the other times it had been run, uh, compared notes with Greg, who uh, who had compiled a lot of that. And uh, we actually posted a, uh, a little bit of additional fictional narrative uh, there on the dndadventuresleague.org site uh, in which we, we talked about the ramifications of the actions of the players, uh, the, the actions they took, and the unfortunate destruction that, that happened as a result. Now, as Season 3 goes on, other people may run that epic again, so the results we had at Gen Con may not actually end up being the ongoing narrative results as we move forward. Which is pretty awesome. So because I remember, you know, I think it's a fair assumption when people go into organized play. A lot of times they think like, well, I'm, I'm going to win, right? Like, it, it'll be fine. Everything, these, these adventures are easy. Uh, and there were, uh, there was a lot of player death. Um, which is always great. I mean, not player death, character <laughs> death, I should say. <laughs> wait, wait, say that again? Dead. You're a DM, right? <laughs> uh, you know, there was character death, and uh, and if I recall, you know, the, the high-level people didn't actually succeed. Um, and that was awesome to see that there are stakes, you know, that, that there are things that really matter. Um, when you guys see that, like, oh, you know, the, the, we got this result. The adventurers blew it up. Um, you know, it, it didn't work out the way we had planned for it to work out. Um, or, or they didn't succeed. Uh, is that exciting for you guys to, to see that failure? I mean, with any case, you know, catastrophe is a catalyst for adventure. So I like it, but that's just me. <laughs> I like how it informs the ongoing meta plot as well. I mean, we're going to see, uh, I don't want to give too much away, but in season four, we're going to see an opportunity potentially to have some people start thinking about going back to Flan. And if you don't have Mole Master's support because Mole Master Undone didn't turn out quite as well as, as the, you know, it could have, then you don't have their support. 
And so the adventures that we think about writing then are informed by that. And so now you don't have that big army and you don't have those supplies. So now you need another option of how your characters can think to do something. We've been running this thing for uh, over a year now, right? Fifth edition's been out over a year. You guys have been doing the Adventurers League thing for a year. Uh, what have you seen that has been great coming out of the Adventurers League? And what do you want to change and improve as you move forward with the Adventurers League? I think just the amount of uh, of output that, that, that we've seen from uh, DMs and players, just new players showing up, new DMs, has been fantastic. It's kind of been uh, better than I think we hoped for. And uh, just seeing new people get to play the game and, you know, people that have been uh, been around for, for years coming back to the game. Absolutely. Seeing so many new people around the table, is it's, it's hugely invigorating. Uh, you know, I, I spend a lot of time running my own games and not a whole lot of time playing. Uh, but I'm getting to a point now with, with these new folks, you know, they're playing with the mechanics, they're really enjoying it, and they're seeing that, I'm not showing up at the table with 17 books like we may have had to do under old editions. Uh, and I actually have some folks now that are like, "Get stop running games. Let me do it for you. You roll dice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, moving forward, what do you guys think? What would you like to see, uh, you know, made further? Like, do you guys have big plans for anything you'd like to change or things you'd like to add to the Adventurers League? Anything like that? Uh, changes that we can expect? Again, without giving too much away, I think you're going to see as we're talking about season four now, so it's kind of what's on my mind. Mm -hmm. uh, the way that it's set up is a little bit different. The way that the adventures and the tiering, and we'll see some changes there that we're gonna we're gonna test some uh, an alternative way of doing some things. That's really cool and very intriguing to hear. So, uh, I, well, I can't wait to see how that shakes out. Um, do you guys think that? your involvement with the Adventurers League and all of the wonderful, wonderful backbreaking work that you guys have done and the amount of people coming out for organized play, like I think anecdotally is more than I have seen in my lifetime for D&D. Um, you know, do you think that organized play has had a direct impact on the thriving health of 5th edition D&D? I certainly do. I mean, fifth edition has been wildly popular. I'm just on the you know different Facebook groups and Reddit threads that I've read. You know, fifth edition has been kind of like that that I've seen, kind of like that um, like that old friend who you know got a new haircut and put on some flashy <laughs> new clothes, and the you know the people that were disenfranchised with some you know with fourth edition. Um, a lot of them are coming back um, just to you know see how things are and. I've been reading a lot of good things about it. Um, you know, Adventures League is just one more way for them to get them, you know, pull them back into the fold. Mm -hmm. yeah. And get like, folks hey. out, uh, get folks out playing, you know, on like so Wednesday, Friday, whatever night folks are deciding to get together, take a little break from the monotony and uh, do just like I play with my, uh, my son is 13. I bring him with me. He, uh, you know, so I can get him on a lifelong habit of, D and D and awkward social <laughs> relationships. So you know. persecution, persecution. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My son has joined me um, for for this season of uh, encounters that I started running at my local game store. So it's great to see uh, you know young kids picking up D and D and older people alike rediscovering it or discovering it for the first time. Um, you know, I think you guys are, are doing great work out there uh, to, to get people involved. And a lot of people like Encounters or Expeditions uh, is their weekly game. 
you know, that's where they play. They don't play anywhere else. So I really would like to commend you guys for that because uh, the work you are doing, uh, you're certainly not doing it because you're getting cut an enormous check, uh, <laughs> you know, once a month. So thank you very much for, for your passion helping drive the, the you know, D&D truck to success. So appreciate it. It's been that. awesome. We really, uh, you know, with... With uh, Dragon Plus, this last uh, update, they gave out um, the first adventure for the Rage of Demons um, expeditions, which was Harried and Hillspar. And uh, we've gotten permission to um, to post that on our site as well. So we'll be giving that, um, you know, kind of giving that out to folks who, um, especially to folks who want to run um, streaming games. So if you want to run a streaming game, uh, just go ahead and uh, email uh, email us at online at dndadventuresleague.org and um, our online regional coordinator, David Russell, will uh, send you a reply with the uh, Harriet and Hillsfire Adventure. Um, that way you can stream it. Um, once you've kind of streamed a few hours of it, uh, send us, you know, your, your stream, um, send us your videos and, uh, you know, we'll post those for other people to watch and then we'll also uh, send you the password after that so you can download the other adventures and uh, make sure uh, that you have what you need to to stream those as well yeah in fact let's talk a little bit about uh the digital extension of the adventurers league um this is something new since the last time you guys have been on the podcast uh how does how does this work if you want to you know play adventurers league games online uh you can play them through roll 20 you can play through fantasy grounds uh you can probably play through other virtual tables and stuff you can email and get expeditions adventures and and all that kind of thing um are you guys seeing a big response for that we haven't really growing yeah we haven't Uh, really put it out there yet uh, a whole lot that you know for for the uh for the harriet and hills far once we kind of get this out there i think we'll see a big jump in it Nice. Yeah. And if people want to hear uh, the roundtable review of that adventure, we loved it. Uh, We'll link that review. We'll link the PDF and everything. And obviously all of the contact information and stuff for these guys over at the tomeshow.com in the show notes for this episode of the roundtable. So let's talk about uh, the future. I know there's a lot that you guys can't say. Uh, What can you tell us to get us excited for the next D&D storyline or, or tease us for something coming up in the Adventurers League. It's going to be awesome. You should it play is. It. <laughs> You're going to love it, for sure. That's all you need to know. There's, it's going to be awesome. There's no small amount of excitement, man. Yes. <laughs> yep. All right. Yeah, yeah, until sure. until but. Wizards announces anything, we can't really say anything other than it's going to be awesome. <laughs> I have an entire shelf in my game room dedicated to what we're doing for Season 4, so I'm I'm very, very much excited for this. Nice. My Little Pony, Season 4. That's right. Oh, man, you looked. (laughs) (laughs) How far in advance do you guys work uh, with Wizards of the Coast and then amongst yourselves to start getting ready for, um, you know, adventures and and new seasons and storylines and things like that? Almost about, like, a full season. I'm trying to remember we talked with Chris in February. On well, even before that, no, yeah, it, it, but it, last Winter Fantasy is when he told us what season four and five were. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, and then we don't get the actual, you know, good stuff until you know later than that. But as an example of our of sort of what our timeline looks like, 
I mean, the last two or three mods are in the process of being written and are due in the next month or so. And Travis is working hard on the two or three before that. But season three is, is almost done being written for us with the exception of making adjustments due to changes in plot and that sort of thing that from critical events and such. We're already plotting out season four and we figured out how many adventures there are and how long they are and that sort of thing. And we're working on general plot stuff now. Nice, nice. And when does season three end? February is the last of the uh, premieres. And so I think uh, the next season should start in uh, March. Yeah. So you guys are working way far ahead. That's, you know, that's like six Gotta. months ahead. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That And so, and then you guys might know some tidbits about what's beyond four, it sounds like as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A little bit. <laughs> nice. So if you guys like quit your jobs, do, does Chris Perkins have to come kill you or, you know, is, is he... <laughs> I mean, we, uh, yeah, yeah, actually, we get yeah, disappeared. <laughs> Once you're in Wizards, you can never leave. Right. Ship us off to some North Korean gulag. <laughs> mm-hmm. The last thing we hear is get in the van. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's put it out there. If people are not involved in the Adventurers League, but they want to get involved, how can they do that? Uh, go to your local game store is really the easiest way. Uh, look, go to your local game store. Talk to uh, talk to whoever's organizing games there, um, and you know play and uh, if you want to dm if you dm before it's very easy to pick up um once you kind of know that you want to get involved you can go to uh the wizards website or go to dndadventuresleague.org and get our uh, player's guide download that uh read it and understand it and then you know kind of everything you need to to know uh to run the game and then uh you know, if you're going to a convention or going to a store to run adventures, the store or, or convention can get you uh, the adventures to run. Or uh, like we kind of talked about briefly, uh, you can uh, play them online. Um, and of course, there's the ones that you can uh, purchase and uh, play at home or online with those as well. What if I do want to DM at a, at a convention like Gen Con? What's the process and, and how soon should I be looking to sign up and all that kind of stuff? Get a hold of the organizer, the event organizer for the convention, whoever is running the Adventure League, Adventures League um, itself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be the first thing. It's really when is going to depend on, you know, the the convention. If you go with something like PAX Prime, where tickets sell out five six months in advance, um, <laughs> you know, finding out who who's running the show there for the Adventures League is going to be something you're going to want to do. Not soon thereafter, but it's really going to depend on the con. But whoever's running it should get you set up. There's always going to be a need for DMs. So if for you like to... it was Baldman Games. And yeah. They have a mailing list and a website and that sort of thing. Yeah, if you're going to be traveling around and you want to know like what's coming up in an area, maybe a convention or such, we have a convention locator available through the .org website. Um, hit that up. It'll show you, you know, show dates and uh, you know, if there if there's additional material to be shared, you can go through there. You're always welcome to ask uh, through the the general Facebook group for the Adventurers League, or shoot us an email at community at dndadventuresleague.org. Um, we're happy to get you in touch with the powers that be as best we can. Awesome, guys. Well, uh, before we go, is there anything else you want to let the people know? I'd say that I continue to encourage people to fill out those critical event summaries at oh, the end God. of their surveys. Yeah. Yeah. Please do, because what you do actually does change our plot, and so you want to make sure that your voice is heard. Oops. Yes. Yes. Feedback. 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 Yes. So much and of what we're doing has been effectively co-written by the, the players. I mean, keep it up. 
Yeah, it's like a giant game of D&D, essentially, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And go on and participate on, you know, on Facebook, on Google Plus, in Twitter. Uh, participate in all of our, uh, you know, all of our social media. Let us know how your games are going. Um, the, you know, the good and the bad. Uh, we do, you know, constantly monitor that and reply. And, uh, you know, the, the, you know, if we see issues propping, uh, you know, cop, uh, coming up, we, you know, try to deal with them as best as we can. Uh, you know, if there's an issue with, you know, the, the, the player's guide, you know, we definitely in the next season will, will address as much as we can. Nice. Yeah. And I have to say, you guys are really great about responding to people on social media and stuff, which is a thankless job all in and of itself. So. <laughs> oh, social media. I love it. <laughs> all right. So uh, before we go, let's go around the table and uh, talk about where people can find you on the Internet if they have questions or concerns to talk to you about. Uh, Robert, why don't we start with you? Uh, sure. Like I've mentioned, you know, we have uh, the D&D Adventures League Facebook and Google Plus. You know, if you just search there, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, we are DND underscore ADV League. Um, and you can find us there. Um, personally, you can find me on Twitter at R-A-D-D-U 76 uh, and Facebook and Google Plus as well. Nice. Nice. And uh, Alan, where can people find you? Basically everything Robert said, but uh, Twitter, obviously a little bit different. We're going to be at Dwarftiner. Uh, goofy spelling, but uh, I'm sure we can link the details. Yes, yeah, it'll all be linked over in the show notes again awesome. uh, over at thetomeshow.com. Uh, so, uh, Bill, where can people find you? Well, much like what Robert said, no, uh, <laughs> Facebook <laughs> Facebook is good. Any of the uh, – I'm a member of so many D&D AL Facebook groups. It's It's actually – it's it's a lot of of DDAO Facebookers, but Facebook is good. I'm Bill Benham on Facebook, but so's my son. So look for the Bill Benham page that doesn't look like it was designed by a 13 year old. And um, yeah, the, there's a link on the D and D Adventures League website to to send me a, to send me an email over there. But Facebook or Google Plus would be the best way. Awesome. And Greg, how about you? Where can people find you? Uh, all the above, but then also on Facebook, Greg Marks, MRKS. And if you're uh, still using the Watsi community forums, uh, I spend a lot of time answering questions there. You can message me there as Skerritt, S-K-E-R-R-I-T. Nice, nice. And, uh, of course, Travis, where can people find you? Um, Face down in the ditch. No, um, uh, Facebook, Google+. Plus. Um, I have recently started twitting. Oh, uh, I do have I do have a, a tweet account. Uh, it is at Travis Woodall. So I really bent, you know, I, I burned lean, lean, uh, lean muscle to come up with such a creative name. But yeah, at Travis Woodall on Twitter, um, Facebook, Google Plus. Well, I have uh, started following you right now. So right, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have two followers. <laughs> 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 well, thank you so much for being on the roundtable today. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone, you can find me on Twitter at James Intracasso, and you can leave us a comment about the show on thetomeshow.com or at facebook.com slash thetomeshow. Also, check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age. It's the fifth edition world I'm building over at worldbuilderblog.me. 
Okay, everybody, thanks for listening, and thanks to Robert, Bill, Travis, Greg, and Alan. Special thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup, and thanks to Sam Dillon for getting this podcast out there on the airwaves. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. And hey, if you like this show, please rate the Tome Show on iTunes and like us on Facebook. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to the roundtable.